the Sunshine and Rain Podcast. The joys and pains of living in the black community. Brought to you by KTTV and beyond. With your host, KT, and co-host, Dr. Mack. What do you do, KTTV? This is KT, and I want to welcome you to the first episode of the Sunshine and Rain Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to discussing the joys and pains of living in the black community. As you know, I'll be your host, but I want to welcome my lovely co-host, author, educator, wellness coach, and speaker, Dr. Mack. How you doing today, Dr. Mack? What up, what up, what up? How you doing? I wanted to say thank you for um, taking some time out to discuss um, and really dedicate uh, a series to what's going on in our black community. I know that you do a lot as far as working with African-American women um, and also just working with wellness in general. So to have your input, um, as I talk about it from a male point of view, is awesome. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that particularly during these uh, troubling times, we need to be able to have some conversations, um, especially about our racial battle fatigue and just the needs that we have being black people in this America. How have you been and how are things going with you? Uh, So this is an interesting time, right? Um, We are living in a global pandemic where we see black people are disproportionately impacted by this virus. At the same time, we are still fighting uh, through systemic and structural racism. And so as a professor of education, as a wellness and life coach, I am constantly being called to help and support people through the various things that are happening right now. Um, So I am working to ensure that I uh, center my own self-care, center my own wellness and center the wellness of my son, who is an eight-year-old black male child, right, who is also watching how the world works at this time. Yes. And and so uh, just talking about your son, I guess it's a great segue into what we'll be talking about today, uh, which is the adultification of black boys. Um, And so I think that it revolves a lot around uh, emotional literacy. And Mm -hmm. so before we even dig into it, can you kind of give us a little view of what emotional literacy is? Yeah, so I think that we'll be talking, you know, in some ways about emotional literacy as well as emotional intelligence uh, in this conversation. And emotional literacy is really the ability to understand and express feelings, right? It's the ability to recognize, to understand, to handle, and to uh, appropriately express emotions. Um, And so emotional intelligence is a person's overall ability to deal with their emotions. Um, And emotional literacy then is the way that they're able to communicate those emotions. And so when we begin talking about black boys and black men and emotional literacy, uh, we're talking about uh, how they communicate their emotions or or not. Yes. And when you when you think about or not, you know, you think about um young men being I guess grade level elementary grades um and so then my examples of that would be 
I've seen it where the boys, the, the young lady may hit the boy. And then the teacher says, why are you telling on her? What are you doing? Versus if that young man hits that lady. And, and I'm saying it's right. But I'm saying it's like a difference of, okay, now somebody about to get in trouble. You know, mm -hmm. and so then it's like I, I can't really say if I'm getting hurt um, uh, or, or I'm not being taken seriously. As far as with your son and emotional intelligence, how are you yeah, kind of so fostering that within him? I have always taught my son, again, he's eight years old, and I have always taught him that emotions are a human uh, are, that are they they are human right and that they aren't a reflection of sex and so you know when we started having that conversation I said you know does your penis prevent you from crying and the way he looked at me when I asked him that question and he said what well, I how does a penis stop you from crying I said exactly Right. I said, but there are going to be people that tell you that you can't cry or you shouldn't cry because you're a boy or because you're a man. But your penis has absolutely nothing to do with you crying. Your penis has nothing to do with your feelings being hurt. And so as he's been growing up, we talk through, uh, you know, when it's time to cry. And there are times to cry. Now, do we just sit around and cry just because we want to cry. No. And I think if I had a daughter, it'd be the same thing. What are you crying for? Right? Like if there's nothing to cry about, what are you crying for? It's the same thing I asked myself. Do you have something, a reason to cry? Because if you don't wipe your face and move on. Right. Um, but oftentimes, far too often, particularly in our community, in the black community, we don't allow black boys to have a full range of emotion. They aren't able to feel sadness or to express sadness, right? If he falls off a but if a girl falls off a bike and scratches her knee up, it's an acceptable reaction for her to cry. But if a boy falls off a bike or a skateboard or whatever and scratches his leg up, then he's supposed to somehow man up, right? And again, what is the manning up part of this? The penis somehow wipes away the blood from his knee and the pain from the fall? It does not. It is an acceptable reaction that he's hurting in that moment, right? Uh, but we don't allow boys to have a full range of emotions. And so we stunt their growth. And emotion is a part of our being. Right. Like we are made of our mind, our mental body, our emotional body, our physical body and our spiritual body. But boys, emotional body is stunted from childhood in, in, in our community. I'm speaking specifically from our community. Um, and then as they grow, that's a part of them. Uh, that makes them unbalanced. So as a wellness and life coach, I believe that, you know, if there's any one of those four body systems that's in balance, then that makes us imbalance right that makes us unwell in some ways and so there are too many of us that are walking around unwell because we are unbalanced and, that, and that's a parent thing that's a family thing that's a community thing and like you're saying that's a that's a teacher thing so what that means is that's a that's an adult problem it's an adult problem that we're stunting boys emotional intelligence and their emotional literacy mm, yeah I, I was reading something that says that um Children with higher emotional intelligence are better able to pay attention or uh, mm -hmm. more engaged in school, more positive relationships. And I guess it goes all back to being 
uh, emotional and being able to share that, you know, at the right time or, or the right use of brevity or emotional brevity, I guess, and just, you know, getting things out clear. Um, but I know in the school, like I say, it's, it's real difficult um, because that is where we learn so many gender biases. Of, yeah. You know, like what boys should do, what boys shouldn't do. Um, and, and, it, and it also deals a lot with your friends. You know, if you get hurt, I've seen kids uh, as an elementary uh, teacher, I've seen kids fall and, and it, it should be it should be a cry, a wail or something. But he get up, he look around and if it's some people there, he's not going to cry. But then when we get alone, he's hurt, he's crying. Uh, and I, I, I take that to being safety, a safe place that he was able to do that. But at the end of the day, why isn't he able to show that he's in pain right then? You know, and so then you think about how that translates um, to us being adults, adult males, and, and even adolescent males. How do you see that even now with your classes or with the students you've taught over the years? So being that I'm a teacher educator, the majority of my students are, and, and I'm an elementary education. So that's uh, where the majority of my classes are situated. And so because of that, the majority of my uh, students are women. Yes. Yes. Um, but we also talk about, or I make it a point to discuss um, the exact thing that you're talking about. And that's the way that we have these gender socializations in our classrooms, right? So uh, I've heard it plenty times before as a former elementary school teacher myself, you know, the classroom teacher says, uh, you know, I, I need I need some help. Let me have, you know, two strong boys, right? I need two strong boys to carry these books to, you know, Mr. Thomas's class. And, you know, really how sh much stronger is a seven-year-old boy than the seven-year-old girl? They're not. Yes, they're not. <laughs> not at that they're age. They're not. They're yes. not. But here again, we are socializing these children to believe that strength is a measure of sex. Right. It's a measure of boy or girl. Mm -hmm. um, and then we are socializing them in gender to believe that uh, that that is one thing that boys do mm -hmm. is boys should be known for their strength and they should pick up things. And that's what they're good for. The same way that as teachers, we then ask for girls to sort the papers, mm -hmm. put the papers away. We generally ask for girls to support the uh, educational um, wellness of other students. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do I see teachers ask for boys to help another student with a problem or to find an answer in a book that usually is reserved for girls. So here again, we're gender, you know, socializing them into these various roles. Um, but yeah, we do it all the time in schools, definitely. I wonder what is the science as far as uh one parent household being raised by mom versus two parent being raised by dad. You know, um, you think about the, the upbringing, but then you also think about trauma and emotional intelligence, too. You know, and so how, how does that stunt your growth? I don't think we, we really think about what we're doing as far as with the gender biases and what we're teaching young boys. So, like, what do we do about that, Doc? How can we pay more attention to that? 
uh, I think it's very important to, <laughs> one, be determined and committed to uh, be mindful of what you're communicating to your to your child and to your children. The reason that I have had conversations with my son about his emotions is because I was determined for to ensure that I was raising a well-rounded child, right? And so him being a well-rounded child, emotions are a part of that. And so I accept that he has emotions because he is human. I also accept his emotional responses. And that's another thing that, uh, particularly as parents, as adults, we uh, tend to want to control children's emotional responses. Tell them how they need to react to something that they have experienced or encountered, right? Particularly when it's us. So as a parent, Grandparent, auntie, uncle, them, right? As the teacher, we yelling, 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 yelling. And then the child wants to react to that. And we want to control their, their emotional reaction to us yelling at them. Now, wait a minute. But if your boo thing is yelling at you, do they get to control your reaction? If your partner is yelling at you, does he get to control your reaction? If your supervisor is yelling at you, do they get to control your... But when it's a child, we tend to believe that children don't become human. They don't become actualized humans until they're 18. That's, that's an assumption that we tend to walk around with. When you get out my house, then you get to somehow be you know, fully actualized, then you get to have feelings. No, right? It's okay for your child to not like that you're yelling at them. Is there a way that they need to respond to you? Yes, there's respect and disrespect. I'm not in any way saying that children should disrespect parents, but I am saying that there is respect and disrespect in how we treat our children too. And we disrespect children all the time because they're children. And so one of the things that we can do is accept that they have emotions. We can accept their emotional responses. And, and that might make us more mindful of how we interact with them. And right? then you think about that um, as, I guess, moving it to growing up uh, and how does that reflect um, into my relationships where, you know, I don't grow. And, and so I don't know how to communicate. I'm not an adult. Uh, and so I'll let you start that part. And then I'll chime in from, from what I understand. And, and when I understand, like, my part of the relationship or because I've been there. Like, I, I've i been doing the work for, man, the last two, three years with my therapist. Um, and it was just about understanding and becoming better in tune with how I feel and how I communicate. And so I'll let you start on what are some ways that you see that uh, emotional intelligence or lack thereof affect the relationships? Ooh. Um, 
that's tough. But first of all, the fact that you as a black man just articulated that for the last two, three years, you have been working on yourself with your therapist needs to be emphasized, needs to be uh, applauded because we don't have enough black men normalizing that they are in therapy. And so first, I want to commend you for openly and publicly stating that because I mean, because it's a ne- it's a necessary thing, yeah. right? Everybody needs somebody to talk to. It's not a problem to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, many of us have to, you know, unlearn some of the things that we learned in our childhood and our yes. youth, right? You and if we don't do that, who yeah. boy, it, yes. it, it makes dealing and living that much more problematic uh, because we survived, many of us, uh, but we want to move into a place of thriving. Yes. And not just surviving, right? Um, so what do I see with the lack of, or emotional intelligence or the lack of? Yes. I see that, um, you, you talk about me as a woman, talking about men. Okay, so I see, <laughs> this is where it get a little, it get a little hot. Okay. Yeah. Um, I see that many men haven't been taught to accept the full range of their emotions Mm -hmm. and nor are they taught ways to express those emotions outside of aggression and anger. So when they feel things that become unfamiliar for them, one of the things that they do is suppress, they hide, they run away. I have talked to brothers who were just friends, right? You plenty male friends who left relationships that were great, but they didn't have the emotional literacy to convey their thoughts and feelings to said woman and found it easier to just leave. Now she's in there like, what did I do? What happened? What's wrong with me? Then the women, then we got to go to therapy. Like, what? Well, why they keep up and leaving? And it ain't you, girl, right? Like, yeah. sometimes it is. I'm not trying to say that the sisters don't have things that we got to work on, too. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it's all the brother's fault at all. But what I'm saying is, if he had an ability to say what was on his heart, what was on his mind, Mm-hmm. Right. Because love is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But when you aren't well versed in expressing love, because love comes with the full range of, you know, it, it feels good. It feels scary at times. But if you aren't familiar with that and you don't know what to do with it, it don't matter how old you are. Some of these brothers just run. Some of them just run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some of them suppress. Some of them turn to feelings that they are more comfortable expressing. Mm-hmm. And that depends on the man. Yeah. But I have seen many men turn to anger and aggression. Mm-hmm. Right? We consider uh, that black women um, have the highest rates of domestic violence. We consider that black women, uh, there was a period from 2014 to about 2018 where uh, black women were constantly, consistently being killed in the street for 
for just as little as turning down the advances of a man, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, can I get your number? No, I'm good. That rejection to him, why he took it so hard, right? He didn't know how to deal with no. You just eat that, brother. You just you just got to eat that. You don't take people's lives off a of no. But at what point are we talking and teaching men how to deal with the full range of emotions? Yeah. That's the adult problem. Mm-hmm. We don't. We stunt. We say that because you were born with a penis, somehow you don't need to express yourself fully. And as a mother of a male child, I allow my child to express himself fully. And people (laughs) then think that if you express yourself fully, somehow that alters your sexuality, right? It becomes so convoluted in this community. And one thing has nothing to do with the other. Um, for me, it it was kind of the same thing. Uh, when it got rough, um, either I would, I don't know, I, I would get kind of turned off. I, I don't know if it was running or more of shutting down and just not being a part of what was going on. You know, try to sweep it under the rug. It'll it'll just go away if I just don't say anything. Um, because I didn't really know how to argue. I would get loud and I would over talk, and then it's not a sharing of each other. Um, feelings and so we would never get anywhere so then after that like i say i would treat and then hopefully it goes away uh versus now you know my therapist really taught me to you know just talk through that thing and just listen first um and even with my job as being a coach um to teachers uh and students and parents then it's just listen just listen is the uh motto you know so but before that i agree because i I even have friends now who um you know I see myself telling them, okay, well, man, reply like this, you know, instead of like this. Um, And so then that's how I'm helping them. So so what do we do? do, How do we do that? Is is therapy the answer or how do we, where does that start? Does it start as the young male? I think that we have to start in multiple places because we're in multiple places, right? I think, let's go, say Oh, yeah. I think that we need to have these conversations in our homes. Right. Um, For me, it's been conversations with my child in addition to conversations with my family. Right. I'm a black woman, so I got black family. (laughs) So I've had had some conversations with, you know, with my parents, with, you know, with, with my brothers, with my uncles. Like, no, when he falls, he's a whole person. It's okay. Right. It's okay if he expresses himself fully. Right. And if he just around here crying just for Christ's sake. Sure. Tell him that 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 that's not okay. But otherwise, allow him Um, as it relates to us as adults. We we have to unlearn some things in in the various professions that we have, particularly as teachers who are molders and shapers. We have to unlearn some things. We have to potentially have some professional development around the way that we are socializing our children improperly. Um, 
And I think that we need to, I, I would love if we could have more open dialogue like we're doing right now on Sunshine and Rain, right? I think we need to have more conversation between the brothers and the sisters. I think there's a lot of open wounds, a lot of hurt. And I, I would love if we could come to the floor willing to listen from to one another and not ready to just point fingers, point blame, and... Um, so we could walk away ready to, to move forward in love, you know? We, we we see these things on social media and everybody just want to talk and leave with attitude. And it's like, well, we didn't get anything accomplished. So now, yeah. this, this is the question. Tell me, what's the question? How does narcissism play into uh, emotional intelligence or, or lack thereof? Okay, all right. Okay. I think that, <laughs> wow, I think that narcissists are a whole other thing. Um, and I don't know what happened in the point and period in their socialization mm -hmm. that created them to be the way that they are. Mm -hmm. That I don't know. When you said it, my mind immediately began thinking of narcissists that I know. Mm -hmm. um, and I know the breakdowns in their childhoods. Mm -hmm. But I haven't studied narcissism yes. to know if that's across all narcissists mm -hmm. or just the narcissists that I know, right? So yeah. I don't want to make any blanketed statements. Uh, because that's not something that I'm well versed in. But ooh, that's a that's a good question, though. I mean, I would say that they overestimate their emotional intelligence. Mm. Um, but uh, but I think you would have to like dig into it. But I would definitely say, um, I don't know. Only for the simple fact, nothing is really well. Everything is about them. But when it comes down to it, nothing is their fault. Ever. Yeah, so I, I guess it's... I don't Ever. know. Yeah, so... Yeah, I would definitely say overestimate it because I, I really try to turn the tables or something and, and say it's you. And then I try to make that play on your emotions. Which yeah, making have, me they think, learned, huh? have they learned to accept a, a accountability and responsibility for their actions, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, because nobody is responsible for you but you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, I yeah. don't know. It's it's rough. It's rough. So the biggest thing I would say, um, in in just wrapping it up is, I think we all have to really look at the way that we're doing, um, young males as far as the way that we're talking to them. Uh, what we're doing when we're genderizing them um, and even like you said the platforms that we're using to speak to them uh, I think about me having my boys club and so I'm meeting with 30 young males twice a month you know and so I think about a lot of our lessons or about maturity you know but they're about your future as your job your future as your uh, you know, your career or what do you want to do in college, but never is it really about the well-being. 
Mm. You know, and so I said, I think that this really opened up something for me to just talk about that, you know, because even when we meet, I, I just think about the machismo that's in the room yeah. when we're together, you know, and, it, and it's, it's so, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and these are our elementary kids. So, yeah, I think that's the first step. I also think about safe spaces. So <laughs> I wrote I wrote my eyes a bit at that because. It's such a hot topic word. People want to talk about safe spaces. Schools want to talk about safe spaces. Um, but I'm going to talk about school and I'm going to talk about home. I'll start with school. Do children really have the space to tell teachers, staff, school administrators openly how they feel? free from judgment, free from criticism? Are they able to say what's happening in that space, how they experience it, how they are encountering those adults in that space? Is it really a safe space? So how are we defining safe? Are we defining safe because there's a school resource officer on the grounds? Like what does safe really mean? Because if these children can't come and tell you how they are in experiencing you, that's not safe. So that's my spill for, for, for educators as an educator myself. My spill for parents is <laughs> uh, we want our children to be able to do a variety of things when they are not with us, particularly when they become adults. We want them to be able to advocate for themselves. We want them to be able to stand up for themselves. This is things I know we want as parents. When do we give them the opportunity to exercise that? Mm. That that has to start at home. And we don't give them the room and the space to do that. And if your children spend the majority of the time with you, then that means that it would be you that they would be exercising that with. That means that you teach them how to appropriately Right. So without disrespect, stand up for themselves. It's the thing I teach my son. He walked out of my room one night. This may have been like last spring and he had his head low. And, you know, I had just finished scolding him about something. And I had asked him a question like, well, you know, well, what what do you think about it? Right. Like, what did he think about what we were talking about? He was like, nothing. Never mind. And he walked out with his head down. And I was like, no, come back. I said, I am loud. I'm a loud person. You know this by now. Your mother is loud. But you don't let somebody being loud deter you from saying your truth. Mm -hmm. You can still tell mommy what you think and how you feel. Because I'm loud doesn't change that you have an opinion, right? Or that you have feelings. Because he's going to encounter loud people. And I don't want my son to feel that because somebody raised their tone Mm -hmm. that he should back down. But he's got to learn that. Yeah. I am also modeling. So if I see that he gets discouraged because I'm loud, I know what he's going to do out in the street. Nah, I'm a loud person. Don't mean you have to be loud, but it also means you don't have to back down. Let a loud person be a loud person. That's me. But you can still say what you want and need to say to me. Now, what did you think about it? Well, I thought and then he said it. And now that was last spring. At this point, he'll just let me know. Well, mommy, I think this, 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 this. Don't matter how loud I am because I'm loud. It's just what I am. 
And that's and that. But I like that now because now I know he's learning how to handle his own because I'm not going to always be there. But I need to know that he could stand up for himself. And the older he gets, the more he's not going to be with me, the more he's in the world at school and he's going to be employed at some point and yada, yada, yada. He's going to be in a relationship with somebody. And when that person raised their voice, he's not going to cower down and let them say what they want to say. You could get loud all you want. I come from a loud mama. I'm going to still say what I want to say. That's what we teach them, but we not because we bully our kids. And that's a problem. That's a topic for another day. Yes. That, well, we, you know, we talking about a lot <laughs> on, on this podcast, so we will be able to come back and talk about that, um, you know, because even something like this, um, you know, I know we talked about not making it too long, but I think there are so many facets of um, where this uh, takes place. And so where where that emotional intelligence or that emotional literacy shows up, you know, I think about me in my first few years as an administrator. You know, how how emotionally available was I or or how much emotional intelligence did I show um, towards my teachers in, in times of their struggles or something, you know, and was it because I didn't know I wasn't raised that way or, or what? Uh, so, you know, just so many places that this shows up. So I think we definitely have to continue on uh, with this conversation. Yeah. Yep. All right, so um, I guess you gave the last tidbits. Uh, is there anything you want you want to say before we close it out, though? Nah, I think uh, we should come back for a part two. What you think? Uh, we will. We will be a part two. <laughs> All right. All right, y'all. This is KT. And this is... Dr. Mac. And we will see you next time. 100. The Sunshine and Rain Podcast. The Joy and pains of living in the black community brought to you by KTTV and beyond